talked in this series about many awesome, famous Bible heroes. Am I right? Wow. So I thought we would start with a little review game called Who Am I? All right, the way the game works is I give you clues, and then when I say, who am I, you have to guess who the person is, okay? First, clue. I became a daddy at 100 years old. Who am I? Good. Second, I had a blowout with my older brother. I didn't speak to him for years, and then the day before I reunited with him, I spent the night wrestling with God. Who am I? See, some of you are blurting it out before I ask the question. Did you do that in school too? You were that kid. I know the answer. Wait for the question. Okay, third. The government ordered my execution at birth, but my parents hid me to keep me alive. Who am I? Awesome. All right. By faith, I won a great battle, but by foolishness, I sacrificed my own daughter to God. Who am I? Jephthah. Some of you got that one. Some of you got that one. Most of you didn't. Jephthah, that's all right. You're getting a 75% so far. Last, I slayed a giant. Who am I? That's where we're going today. David and Goliath, one of the most amazing stories in all the Bible. I'm fired up to preach it. I hope you're fired up to hear. Facing your giants by faith. Okay, listen, here's what the whole sermon is about. You ready? Not that you would, but you could write this down and you'd have the whole sermon in one sentence. Here it is. If you face your giants by faith, you will see them fall. But if you face your giants with crippling fear, you will fall. That's it. If you face your giants by faith, you will see them fall. If you face your giants with crippling fear, you will fall. Let's pray, and then we'll get into God's Word together. Father above, we learn about you this morning. This is not a bedtime story. This is not a folk tale. This is not a history lesson. This is you teaching us about life and about faith. So speak to us from this amazing story, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17, last week we met David, he was just this handsome, ruddy, young, 12, 13, maybe 14 year old kid watching the sheep and Samuel the prophet anointed him king and then he had to go back to watching sheep. He he had the job that was the equivalent of working at the petting zoo and God said king, but then nothing really extraordinary happened for a while. He got a pretty cool internship at the, the White House. He got to work for the king back then playing music. But it seems like at some point that ended. And then something extravagant and amazing and unbelievable happens in chapter 17. It says this, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. They were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Demim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah, drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, and he had 
bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shackles of iron and his shield bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. The Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Verse 16 says, For forty days the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. This is a giant problem. A giant problem. Goliath was nine feet nine inches tall. Nine nine. He was wearing 125 pounds of armor. If you weigh 125 pounds, he could wear you and still go out to fight. The head of his spear weighed 15 pounds, thrust at you with deadly force. He was a one-man war machine, head to his knees in scale armor, chain mail, shins covered in armor. He had a man running in front of him, his shield bearer, who would have a six-foot-tall shield to protect him from arrows and stones from a sling. He was armed. He was deadly. He was experienced. This is a giant. Jot this down in your notes. The first lesson of faith we get from this story is this. God will allow giant problems into my life. God will allow giant problems into my life. This is shown that he let Goliath come in and remain for 40 days, humiliating the Israelites. Now just to give you a scale of what Goliath looked like, this, uh, this here is nine feet nine inches tall. This is skinny Goliath. Like if I wanted to punch him, I'd need a stool. Wait a minute, I'll be right back. Get my stool and then I'm coming up there after you. How do you, how do you even touch this? Like, I mean, I could take his knees out, right? He's massive. Nine feet, nine inches tall. And if you think about it, the, if you were going to assault such a giant with just a sling and a stone, the, the target area of what was vulnerable, he's got a bronze helmet on, okay, and most of the face would perhaps deflect. The st- so you've got an area on a forehead beneath the helmet but above the, you know, the nose that is not very big. All right? Tough shot to make. So to show you maybe just how tough this shot would be, we're going uh, to play a little game here. I need, I need a volunteer. Volunteer. Somebody from maybe six, seven, eight rows back, like Dave Hermosillo. Congratulations, you've been nominated. This is an angry bird. Okay, I'm going to throw you, you get three shots. All right, three shots. And this from the angry bird game is called a, a, an angry pig. Okay, now I'm, I know you're thinking, well, he's up on stage, so he's taller, so that's not a fair fight. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put 
I'm going to put the pig up on top if he'll stay. There we go. All right, Dave, stand up. You got three shots to knock the pig off of, to knock Goliath's block off. So go ahead. Oh, uh, let's all boo him. That's it, Dave. You'd be a dead man. Now, David had five stones. I only had three angry birds, all right? So I'm hoping with the other two you would have gotten him. But we'll never be sure. We'll just never know. <laughs> uh, hey, let's just say that it was an impossible shot. Fair? Let's just say that it was an impossible shot. This is a giant problem. A giant problem is something in your life that you can't beat. On your best day, you can't beat. With all that you are, with all that you know, with all that you have, this is simply a problem that's too big for you. The question is, why did God allow it? And the question is, what do I do about it? Uh, Why did God allow it? You know, like after day 25, why didn't God just step on him, right? Bigfoot came out of the sky, smushed him like a grape. Why would God allow a giant problem into my life? It's, it's because teeny problems don't teach you faith, right? When's the last time you saw a testimony video that went like this? Our marriage was like mostly good. And we got into this really small fight. It was over like, you know, something really dumb, and it lasted for a good five seconds, but then it ended. Glory. God's done so much. I just can't thank him enough. You don't hear those stories. Why? Because teeny problems don't grow your faith. Giant problem will create giant faith, unless... You choose the path of crippling fear, which unfortunately is what Saul and the Israelites were choosing. And if you face your giants with faith, they will fall. But if you face your giants with fear, you will fall. It's the way it works. God allows giants into your life to stare you down, to stare your kids down, come after your marriage, come after your finances, come after your health. Why? Because God wants to grow your faith. Yeah, he could have stepped on it a long time ago, but he didn't. Because your faith is precious to him, and he wants to grow it. God will allow giant problems in your life. You're right to feel like it's too big for you. You're right to feel like you can't do this alone. You're right to feel like there's no hope if you go it alone. You're right. That's the definition of a giant problem. The question is, are you allowing faith to take root, or are you allowing fear to take root? The Israelites were allowing fear to take root, and so they were making no progress. They thought there was no earthly way to get rid of this giant. He's bigger than us, stronger than us. He's not going away. They were right. They were listening to the voice of fear. Then something different happened. Someone else came to the scene. Let's look at verse 19. It says, Now Saul and They and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the provisions and went, as Jesse had commanded him. He came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. They're hoping for for like a normal fight today, right? We're just going to all charge and I'll get somebody my size. And they're hoping that he doesn't come out again. They're pretty confident. They're given the battle cry. 
Uh, in fact, let's find out what that sounded like. You're all officially enlisted in the army of Israel, okay? Let me hear your battle cry. You guys did much better than the first service. It's that Starbucks coffee we got out there for you. We even tricked you. The brown one isn't decaf. That's caffeinated too. (laughs) They were like, yeah, we're going to do this. And David hears this. He hears the shouting, yeah, yeah. Verse 22, and David left things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. Hey guys, how you doing? What's going on? And as he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. Okay, let me hear what that sounded like. Okay, just for contrast, give me the battle cry again. Now you just saw Goliath. He's so big. He got taller since yesterday. No, you go fight him. No, you go fight him. We better get out of here. 40 days. Okay, but if you're honest with yourself, this is how you go with your giant problems. Am I right? One day it's like, yes! God, you and me, we're going! This pro-. And then the next day it's like, I'm never going to go away. This is so big. It's awful. I can't do this. I can't. It's us, right? Sunday, we're like singing the praises and believing that the Lord is able. And then on Monday, we're like, oh man, he's coming out again. He's shouting. I can't do this. I, this is us. This is you. And when God allows giant problems into your life, Israel is showing you what not to do. Do not let your faith transition into fear. Do not let fear be where you end. But something is different about David. It says in verse 23, and David heard him. This is, this is like one of my favorite parts of the story. Like, when Goliath's voice reached David's ears for the first time. I don't know how you imagined it, but if I was filming this movie, here's how it would go down. The sound hits his ears and instantly there's this slow motion effect where David turns toward Goliath as the army is running away and his eyes get grim and he's clenching his fists and his heart is filled with rage and he wants to kill him. The whole world is in slow motion as the army's retreating and there's one man staring all the way across this field at Goliath. That's the way I imagine it happening. Now David is the youngest man on the battlefield. He had to be 20 to get into the army, which means he's 16, 17, 18. He's likely one of the smallest men on the battlefield. Which means he should be, if there's anyone who should be terrified and running, it's him. Not in the army, not dressed for battle, not experienced. He should be the one screaming the loudest and running the fastest, and he's the only one staring this giant down. How could he do that? Well, he's showing us something here. You can write this down. God will allow giant problems into your life, number two, 
I must take a stand of faith against my giant problems. I must take a stand of faith against my giant problems. David heard him. Verse 25, And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. The king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The people answered him in the same way, So shall it be done to the man who kills him. We're supposed to notice the Israelites and their fear that they're cowards. We're supposed to notice Saul. King Saul, who was said was the tallest man in Israel. If there's anybody who's supposed to be going down pushing Goliath around, it's Saul. He's also the king. The Israelites appointed him because they wanted someone to lead them out into battle. Well, that's not happening. In fact, Saul's plan was this. Saul's plan was, what can we do? I got an idea. I will issue a cash reward for whoever goes and fights my giant for me. I'll pay you and make you a rich man. I've also got a daughter. I'll give you a wife. Celebrity wedding. And your family won't have to pay taxes for the rest of your life. Some of you who are parents of teenage boys are thinking you would have gone to fight. If it was us, you would have given it a shot. We're supposed to notice Saul's fear that he won't fight his battles. He won't go after his giants. He has no faith. Understand that this battle was not just two armies against each other. In the ancient world, they believed the gods were also at war. So as the Philistines came up, they thought their god, Dagon, was also coming with them. And do you remember when God and Dagon went at it before? Do you remember when the ark got captured in the times of Eli, and then they brought it into Dagon's temple as a trophy? Do you remember what happened? What did God do? Do you remember what he did? He, he tipped Dagon over and fell on the ground. The next day, the Philistines were like, who pushed over our god? They set him back up. The next day he like fell over again. Eventually he was on the floor face down with his head cut off and his arms removed. And that's God doing one of these. The, the equivalent of that. Well, of course, they're ticked, right? You knocked our God over. We had to glue him back together. It's payback time. We could Goliath now. So it was not just the Philistines and the Israelites. It was our God versus your God. And the Israelites were humiliating their God. They weren't taking a stand of faith against their giant problem. But David, he saw things differently. He was courageous. He was God-confident. He was unfazed by the size of the threat. And how can you stand as unmoved and unflinching as David when you think about the giant problem in your life. How can I be like that? How can I be like him? What did he see? David saw a reproach. What the giant was and what the giant was saying was an insult to everything he knew about his God. He said, who is he, uncircumcised Philistine, defying the armies of the living God? Here's what made David different. 
This is so important. Listen, get this. David didn't have a giant problem. David's giant had a giant problem, the living God. And you don't have a giant problem. Your giant problem has a giant problem if you're walking by faith. That's what made him different. He measured the size of his giant problem using the size of his God. See, if you take your giant problem and you measure it next to you, you're like, oh, it really is too big. It really is too strong. I really can't do it. You're right. But like if you measure your giant problem next to your giant God, who is infinitely bigger and infinitely stronger, like you go to God with your giant problem and he needs like an electron microscope to see it because it's so small to him. Frankly, I don't think the problem with God is how he can get, you know, how he can get his hands on our big problem, right? The problem with God is he's so big, you know, he needs like tweezers to handle our problems. How can I get instruments small enough into that tiny little world to handle her problem? God's problem is our problems are too small for him. It may seem colossal, it may seem unsolvable, it may seem permanent, but to God, your problems are microscopic. So why does he leave them? Because they're incredibly useful for growing your faith. Big problem will grow big faith. Teeny little problem won't teach you anything. If you know why the problem is there, if you know what God wants to do through it, you won't resent it, you'll take a stand of faith against it. David did. David did. He faced his giant problem with faith. He's the only one. But then he encountered a different problem. Reading on here, where did we leave off? Verse 28, I believe it was. Verse 28, David heard him. The reproach, the living God. Verse 27, 28. Now, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And if you have an older brother, lift up your hand if you have an older brother. Older brother, you ever pick on you? No? You ever pick on you? Yeah. Put a hole through the wall. Tough. Bully. Eliab last week, when Samuel saw Eliab, you remember what he said? Behold, the next king of Israel. God, you sure know how to pick him. I'm going to go in and God's like, look away, look away. You haven't found him yet. Why? Because when it comes down to it, Eliab was a chicken. I'm not going to go fight Goliath. God knows the heart. Eliab's anger was kindled against David. He said, why have you come down here? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. David said, what have I done now? Is it not but a word? What did I say? He turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him as again before. Jot this down. Giant problems come into your life, and you take a stand against them. I must not listen to faithless voices. I must not listen to faithless voices. This is the deterrent. This is the voice of disdain. This is the person who's offended by your faith. This is the person who's trying to cool you down. Hey, 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 what are you so excited about? Okay, this problem isn't going away. I don't know what you think God does up there. He helps those who help themselves, so just stop your whining. Do you have this voice in your life? It can be your spouse, it could be your kids, it could be your boss, it could be your friend. The person who's pouring cold water on your fire, they're trying to put your faith out. 
They're trying to put your faith out through the questions, through their reaction to what you say. I must not listen to faithless voices. This is a discouraging presence trying to eliminate your spiritual confidence. Okay, disclaimer, disclaimer. If you're walking down a road and there's people who you know and love around you who are saying, hey, listen, you need to stop. This is not going to go well for you. Don't pull your bulletin out and say, Pastor Ryan said I must not listen to faithless voices. Stop being a faithless voice to me. All right, if you're going to do something stupid and people around you are lovingly telling you to stop, don't call it faith. All right, this is not a message on foolishness and how God's going to, even if you do something foolish, be right there for you. No, you will fall flat on your face. So if maybe you need to hear the word this morning, listen to the wisdom of the loved ones around you. Maybe that's what you need to hear today. But if you are trying to take a stand of faith, if you're doing your best and you're just losing heart, this is for you. I must not listen to faithless voices. First, it was his older brother. Then, it was the king who tried to put David's faith out. Look at verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, this is, I love this, David, come bring me this warrior who's about to go out against Goliath. And this like teenager walks in. And King Saul is sitting there, right? And David's first words, this is so priceless. David's like, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. And Saul is like, Saul says, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight him, for you are but a youth. He has been a man of war from his youth. You're not old enough. You're not tough enough. You don't have the experience. You don't even have a sword. Everything about David said, it's because David is supposed to not show us what David's going to do. David is supposed to point us to what? God's going to do. It's his faith and nothing else that is making him do this. But Saul was a faithless voice. You can't do this. You're not old enough. You're not tough enough. You're not strong enough. What's he saying? If only I had a strong enough, tough enough guy, then we could win. But we don't. There's no one in all the world who's strong enough and tough enough and big enough to beat Goliath. No one. And God's like, am I up here? Wow. Well, what would David say to this? David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. Interesting lead out. I'm a shepherd. Okay, but when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Hey, I don't know about you, but if my job was a shepherd and a lion came up and took a sheep, I'd say, have a nice lunch. You want another? I got plenty. Go ahead. Not David. And David, in, in holy wrath, went after this lion and, he, and he's grasped, he got the sheep back and then when the lion turned on him and roared, he bam, tore him apart. Okay, teenagers don't kill lions, right? 
no teenager you know, regardless if he's all-state wrestling champ, can go to the Brookfield Zoo and get in there with the lions and start slapping him around and win. It doesn't happen. Okay? The lion would win 100 times out of 100 contests. Am I right? You don't win. Roaring lion turns on you. So what we're saying here is David didn't just get like a lucky punch. Bam! That's not what happened. And David knows that's not what happened because the way he tells the story is, it says in verse 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them for he has defied the armies of the living God. Listen, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. David knew David didn't beat the lions or the bears. Plural. Maybe now the grizzly at Brookfield Zoo is hibernating. Okay, you can get in a few shots before he woke up and ate you. David knew the Lord delivered the lions and the bears, and I tore them apart with my bare hands. David didn't think David did it. David knew God did it. He had the supernatural strength of Samson. Only different than Samson, who was a grown, big, tall, huge man, David was this wee little teenager who could rip apart a lion if God let him. So everyone's looking at David like, David's not that impressive, and David's like, yeah, but God's that impressive, so... So let me go. The Lord delivered me. I must not listen to faithless voices. Lions and bears, he was supernaturally strengthened. Notice that even when David was like working at the petting zoo, God gave him some gladiator combat training and prepared him for this moment. The Lord delivered me, not because I'm so buffed, but because God is. And when, when the discouraging, faithless voices are trying to put your faith out, listen, you've got to walk back over to that trophy case of everything the Lord has already done for you. Start pulling them out and retelling the stories. Yeah, but God did this, and He did that. And I remember when He did this, and I remember when He did that. And even though the next giant is bigger than the last one, your faith will grow. I must not listen to faithless voices. He convinced Saul. Saul said, Go! The Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook, put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Huge lesson here about not listening to the faithless voices. Saul's like, all right, if you're going to go, you've got to become Saul. So I'm going to put you in Saul's armor. I'm going to give you Saul's sword. I'm going to give you Saul's helmet. And David's like, ah, I, <laughs> I like, feel like I'm walking around in a snowsuit here. Like, I can't. There's no way I could go out and fight like this. No, I'm good. I got my shepherd bag. Got my shepherd bag. I got my stick. Got my rocks. Got my stick. I'm good which made it even more unbelievable. You, you, like, you don't even want a shield? Nope. Good. Good. How could he? I think we learned something here. This is really important. You don't have to become somebody else to be somebody used greatly by God. 
Does that encourage you? Well, if I was, if I was like him, if I knew what he knew or as tall as his strongest, then God could, but if I was like her and had the talent and the experience, then I, those are lies. Those are lies that will put your faith out. If only I was somebody else, then maybe God would do something extraordinary through me. And here David was being David, walking out. He's a shepherd, not a soldier. That's all God needed. David being David, but David knew God would be God. And that's all he needed, and that's faith. Now understand that the sling David was carrying was fatal. All right? and It's not like he had little pebbles or marbles in this thing. Like sling stones that they've found from this era could be at least as big as a golf ball, if not up to, up to the size of a tennis ball or a baseball. All right, so imagine like, you know, one of the, imagine a baseball pitcher grabbing like a solid rock, like a pool ball, and whipping it at your head. Okay, like you die. All right, fatal weapon. And in the hands of somebody who's good with it, bored shepherd out in the middle of nowhere, he was probably an ace with this thing. But on his best day, when a 9'9 giant is charging down and a guy in front of him has a six foot tall shield and he's covered head to knee in chain mail, every, all right, David is not going to kill this giant. And David knew it. So let's read on and see what happened here. He took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the book, put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand. And he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near David with his shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance, The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? You can almost imagine his army laughing behind him. What? What is this? This is his shepherd? He doesn't have anything. The Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. This is ancient trash talk. Ancient trash talk. He said, I'm going to stuff you in a bird feeder. And I'm going to give your skin to the wolves. David retaliated. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Write this down. I must invite God to be the hero. I must not listen to faithless voices. I must invite God to be the hero. David said, you've defied God. You're a dead man. You're a dead man. I see your spear. I see your javelin. I see your shield. Listen, I could kill you with a Nerf bat because God's upset with you. All right? You're a dead man. Verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the field. Hey, hey, your whole army is dead. You're dead and your whole army is dead. Your whole army will die today. Why? That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Hey, if you 
face off against your giant problems and you think you've got to be the hero. You're trying to impress everybody around you and trying to be strong and, and you're going to fail. You're going to fail. But if you face the giant problems by faith, they will fall. It's only faith. You have to say, I can't. I can't. I'm not smart enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not healthy enough. I can't. Then it's a faith story. You're still trying to do it in your strength. You're still obsessing over how to make this thing work. You haven't let it go to the Lord. You're going to fall. Because God won't let you be the hero. That won't teach you faith. That'll teach you pride. It's just what God needs. Oh, great. Now she thinks she's all that. She came through for herself. Wow. What good is that? That's why you don't get to kill the giants without God. I must invite God to be the hero. The reason why God made David the hero is because God was David's hero. You get that? Nobody else got to be the hero that day. The reason why God made David the hero is because God was David's hero. The most impressive part about David was how impressed he was with God. David was nothing to David. And look at this. I can't. I just could bench a hundred. But God. I must invite God to be the hero. The battle is the Lord's. I'll kill you and cut off your head. Your entire army dies today that all the earth may know there's a God in Israel. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. He hit him with the first shot. I think this was a miraculous shot. David knew it too. I can't prove this, but I think he kind of probably did one of these. You know, like... Or maybe like, <laughs> Michael Jordan with the last shot. David knew he couldn't do it. He just wound up and with all the strength God gave him, he just let it fly. And then he just like turned around and he was like, boom, thump. Because his confidence was in God, not in David. Wow. Fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. Struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him. It seems like he's still alive, just like shaking on the ground and killed him and cut off his head with his own sword. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled and the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines. Come on now, let me hear it again. The shout is back. It's back. God did it. He took the giant down with one stone. David standing there holding his head in the air that all the earth may know there's a living God in Israel. This is so helpful to us. This is so helpful to us. Goliath woke up that morning thinking it was going to be day 41 of humiliating the people of God. He thought he was going to move one step closer to building his own 
famous reputation in all of human history as one of the greatest warriors who ever lived. He didn't wake up that morning thinking that by the time the day was over, the story of his humiliating defeat would live in infamy. And we'd be talking about it thousands of years later, later today. He didn't wake up thinking that because he woke up with faith in himself. David didn't wake up thinking by the end of the day he would be a household name for all generations to come and throughout eternity because God was about to make him famous. David just woke up walking by faith in his God and by the end of the day he was eternally renowned as a warrior. That's the walk of faith. And I must invite God to be the hero. I must invite God to be the hero. Hey, don't ask God don't ask God to get rid of the giants in your life without a fight. Ask that God would be glorified by triumphing over your giants. Lord, glorify yourself through this and give me whatever strength and honor that is necessary for me to be brave one more day. Don't pray the easy, cowardly prayers. Lord, just step on it. Just crush it already. Just pray the valiant prayers. Lord, whatever you're doing through this, help me to take my stand of faith one more day. Lord, work this out so that in the end, everyone who looks into my life and hears this story says, God did that. You didn't do that. God did that. Lord, remind me that you didn't let this giant into my life because you hate me because I did anything wrong. Or, or because you've become less good than you've been eternally, you've let this big giant problem into my life to give me giant faith. Notice, God allowed Goliath to rise up to speak against all he had declared and promised to cause fear to creep into the hearts of his people. And then, after 40 days, then God toppled the giant. As we close out this... Amazing and famous story. Listen, if you face your giants by faith, they will fall. But if you face your giants by fear, you will fall. And will you choose to face your giant problems by faith? Are you allowing your faith to grow stronger and stronger and stronger? Or is your fear growing stronger and stronger and stronger? The way you talk about it, the way you think about it, the way you tell people what's going on, the way you're narrating... The trial, are you speaking by faith or by fear? Will you act like your giant has a giant problem? Or will you act like your God is too small to save? That's really what you're saying. It's what your fears are telling you, is that your God is too small to save. Right now is your chance, if you haven't already done so, it's your chance It's your chance to turn around and to face that problem. And it's your chance to take a stand of faith against it. Let's pray. Father, in this room with real people, I know that every single person in here has a giant problem. They do. Lord, I know that most of us also have a trophy case filled with your victories already. So, Father, first I ask that you would remind your people what you have already done. In their lives and in your word, show them, Lord, that you have already taken out problems bigger than this. Restore our faith in the living God. 
Father, I know that these problems are real. They're not small. I think of those who are being stared down by a financial crisis. It's just not going to work on paper. Not without you. Think of those who have been facing a health crisis. Maybe it's a lot longer than 40 days that this giant has been shouting and lying to them. It's too much, Lord. It's gone on for too long. But I pray that there would be a stand of faith right now, that there would be the voice of faith, understanding you've allowed this for a reason, to grow our faith and to show your glory. Lord, I know there are relationship problems that cannot be fixed. There's no human way to untangle the knot. It's broken beyond repair. But Lord, this problem is not too big for you. Lord, as we measure our problems next to our God, I pray that we would have faith that the Lord saves. And may you be the hero. Lord, we trust you. And we pray this in your name.